Welcome to the Church Collective Podcast. In this episode, myself and Chris had the opportunity to go over to meet the guys at Church Gear. We talked with Toby, uh, did a tour of their warehouse, and this podcast actually got cut short with a tornado warning. So there is just going to be a whole lot of great stuff in this episode. Be sure to check it out. In the middle of it, uh, Chris gets too excited and wants to go look at their warehouse. So we're going to cut the podcast in the middle. But if you're watching this on YouTube, head over to YouTube and you can watch the video of the tour. So many things going on. Here we go. We uh, partner with churches all over over the country, we uh, on the front and backside as far as assisting them with certified church-owned is uh, our fancy way of saying, you know, a church-owned it uh, gear. And so we'll come and partner with large churches and we'll buy their old production equipment that they're phasing out of, that they're not using anymore, and then we bring it all back to our uh, operation here, which you guys are sitting inside of in Franklin, Tennessee test through everything, um, and then resell it online. And really our heart and our passion is to get it into the hands of small churches that don't have the budgets of uh, the large mega churches, hmm. And so help them find great gear that they can afford. How did you get started with that? Uh, you want the, uh, the real start <laughs> was, um, I mean, I started flipping gear in 2004. I was trying to be, you know, the next great worship artist. And uh, I was like, well, I, I should probably pay the bills, too. And so I found a, a really good deal on a pair of speakers in L.A. And I was living in San Diego in the t- in, at the time. And so I, uh, I won the speakers on eBay. And I drove up to L.A. I picked them up. I brought them back home. And then I put them back up on eBay for twice as much. And they sold. And I thought to myself, well, that was the easiest money I've ever made. Wow. And I was like, I wonder if I could do that again. <laughs> so I, I did it again, and then I did it again and again. And I, I quickly realized, oh, this is what's going to actually pay the bills while I pursue music. And then, you know, I just I got good at it over the years. And growing up in the church, my dad was a music director, and then I was a worship pastor at churches, and then my band would travel to churches. Like, you would see gear all the time. There'd be closet storage spaces, churches often called the graveyard. <laughs> and then, you know, slowly but surely, two passions of mine came together and met. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I should start a business around this idea. And here we are. When did you start fixing gear? Well, we don't really fix it. We flip it. Oh, okay. I was thinking you were, like, refurbishing it. Like Now, we, I mean, we do have a full tech team, but... Um, Ideally, you know, we get a camera or a digital mixer or whatever it is from Church A, bring it back to our tech shop. Our techs go through every bit of it. They test every function and whatnot. And in a perfect world, it's working great. Got it. And we give our, you know, sort of stamp of approval. If it's got issues, it's kind of like, well, how much time do we have? Can we source parts? Uh, And if not, then we'll usually just put it up as a parts thing. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Does the um, like you, your idea is you want to get it to smaller churches? Th- is the discount kind of in the fact that it's used gear, or are you guys like heavily subsidizing it in any way? No, the discount is that it's used. So um, there are a lot of things that come out of large churches that a small church a small church doesn't need a thirty k projector or an SSL console. 
Um, so if we buy those, and we do buy those large format things from some churches, and those will go to like touring houses or production companies or other large churches. But for the smaller church that might not even know what they need, they can call us up and say, hey, and we had a perfect example, a uh, church in East Nashville just recently called us up and said, um, it, it was the pastor called us up and said, so on Sunday morning, I'm preaching, and people in the back are literally stopping me and saying, we can't hear you. <laughs> and so he thought to himself, well, I should probably do something to fix that. And they took up an offering, and they came up with about $2,000. And he, I don't know how he got our number, but he called up our sales guy and said, hey, we did a, an offering this week. And we need speakers. And so we were able to hook him up with a pair of speakers and an amp. And our guy even like took them and set them up for him. And brand new, this would have been like $4,000. But because it was used, because used prices are just cheaper, yeah. it, I think it was like 1600 bucks for the whole thing. Wow. And a pair of speakers, if they're well taken care of, if they're used at the church indoors, they're going to last another 20 years. Do you guys offer installation too? Or? We almost never offer installation. <laughs> uh, in this case, it was like a church here in town, and my guy's like, okay, I can set up a pair of speakers. Like, mm -hmm. we do that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, there's so many great integrators out there that that's what they do. That's what they're great at. And so we'll try and partner with them if a church says, you know, we need a system or we need gear. Do you know somebody who can install it? We'll say, oh, here are our friends at this integration company or this installer in the city. Um, so we're still trying to build up that network of guys that do right by churches. Because mm -hmm. yeah. um, that's all, that can be the question as well. How'd you get here in Tennessee from California? Uh, in 2006, my wife and I kind of looked at the state of real estate in California and thought to ourselves, we're never buying a house here. <laughs> and we, um, my family had migrated to the Dallas area. So we went out and visited Dallas, and it just was not our vibe. So we drove down to Austin and thought to ourselves, oh, here's our vibe. So we moved to Austin in 2006, and I continued to pursue the worship thing, put a band together, and would do summer camps and youth events and church services, all the while flipping gear on the side to pay the bills. <laughs> and then in uh, 2012, Trevecca University here in Nashville um, kind of recruited me to be an artist in residence for a worship program they were starting at that time. Um, the, the whole idea kind of fizzled out, but we were already here. And lo and behold, I was still good at buying and reselling gear. So <laughs> I was like, well, we really like Nashville and Franklin area, and let's just stay, and I'll, I'll just make a, a go at this, this gear thing. So when did it go from, like, you're just flipping from your house to, like, you had an actual location? In, um, we moved to a house, uh, we had a, a two-car garage, and that's what I was doing it out of. And in January in Nashville, like, it can be cold. So <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be packing guitar cabs out in the driveway and, like, have to clear snow out of the way so I could pack these things. We realized, like, okay, this is getting a little bigger than a two-car garage. So we bought a house with a basement. And I thought, well, this is awesome. So for four or five years, it was just operating out of a basement, and it was great. And it was all, all the room I needed to... And really, I was doing a lot of instruments, um, 
you know, guitar amps, keyboards, drum sets, recording equipment, but I wasn't really, it, it wasn't partnered with churches yet. It was just me buying and selling gear. And then in 2019, um, late 2019, early 2020 is kind of when the, the concept of church gear came to life. And when, you know, we started, or I started marketing it, and then churches thought like, oh, this is interesting. We have all this gear and you're willing to come and get it and pay us and take it away. And so after doing that for a few months, I started looking around the basement and I could see the writing on the wall, even though I couldn't see the walls anymore because there's so much gear. And my wife and I started thinking like, okay, we need to find another space. So we um, did a little real estate search and we found a property in Franklin with a kind of a warehouse barn. And we ended up buying that and thought, this is great. This is all the space we'll ever need. Hired a couple uh, guys, and within six months, we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> so we were there another nine months, and then we moved into this location. Uh, just really been operating in here about two months, two and a half months. Oh, wow. And I'm like, there's 18 of us now in the company, and I'm just looking around like, uh-oh, <laughs> we've been here wow. two and a half months, and I, we got to get more pallet racks. We got to get a forklift. We got to go high because yeah. there is so much gear. I was wow. just saying, I saw the warehouse, and it looked pretty full. Yeah. <laughs> just a peek in the door there. Yeah. My operations guy's pulling his hair out right now. <laughs> and I, I wish I would have seen the warehouse first because now that's all I can think of. <laughs> I know. Do we need just need to pause the recording so you can do. go shopping? Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. Really, for real? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, can't. I literally can't even. So this is the part that uh, you're going to want to go over to YouTube and check out the video if you want to see the whole tour. Uh, after we did the tour, we jumped right back into the podcast. Well, we just took the tour, <laughs> and you said you need a forklift now, and I, now I see why you need a forklift. <laughs> wow. I think uh, the the thing that really shocked me was the, the matchless, the yeah. matchless head. Like, can you talk about where that came from? So... Uh, we just did a pickup from uh, the Village Church in Dallas area, uh, Matt Chandler's church, and I think they were phasing out of a lot of their like high-level instruments, especially guitar amps. I'm, I didn't see the situation, but I think they went to Kemper or something else, and so they had all these nice guitar amps and just didn't need them anymore. And then a lot of recording gear, um, because again, I think they're just going plug-ins for broadcast, and so it was hilarious when all that stuff arrived in the truck all of our tech guys were just like what what like i didn't tell them it was coming yeah so they they had your same reaction chris where and i i told them like do you want your paycheck this month or do you just yeah. want church gear credit now i was gonna say are they calling <laughs> dibs on stuff yeah like, <laughs> it's hilarious when i'll see invoices come through as paid and it'll be one of our tech guys and it'll, it'll have their name on the invoice and yeah. like oh yep box just bought another piece wow <laughs> What's like the, the, the most interesting piece that ever came through? That's tricky. Um, it, it depends. Like, do you want the celebrity? Do you want like Stephen Furtick's mic? <laughs> or do you want the most unique item? Both. Both. <laughs> See, if I was going to do, I'd go back to my pre-church gear days just because I had a couple of those moments. Like I bought gear from Taylor Swift, not her personally, obviously, but her people, like some of her touring stuff. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, my wife's grandpa, when he passed away, um, left a 1900-00 Martin guitar. Wow. Um, but it's, you know, it's really fun to... Did you keep it? 
I did not. You flipped it. <laughs> it was a family decision, and you know, it was my wife's family. So oh, okay. I, okay. I did the effort of reselling <laughs> it. Uh, some gentleman in California actually was very excited to add it to his collection. Wow. Uh, but it's it's really fun to go to these churches that, like, I mean, I've listened to a thousand Matt Chandler sermons, and so then to get to partner with Village Church or get to partner with Elevation Church or Saddleback, whatever it is, like, it's just super fun to, <clears throat> especially, you know, I always kind of laugh at myself because I would have died to be able to lead worship at Saddleback or right. Elevation, yet they, why would they need me? And now, all of a sudden, like, I started this company that's meeting churches' needs, and so these churches are like, oh, man, this is amazing. And it was hilarious one day when one one tech director was like, man, you're like a rock star. Huh? Just coming in here and buying all our gear. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, the irony. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, I, I just, I, I'd love to hear, I mean, we know some of these guys that like Saddleback and Elevation and stuff, and, and it's neat how accessible a lot of these people are, but it does seem like, you know, for a lot of the people listening here, it feels like that's like a completely different world that's kind of walled off. Like, how did you just even begin to network with these people? Uh, honestly, everybody is two degrees of separation. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, like, for example, if you're buddies with Lee Fields, then you know everybody. Um, but if you do right by one church, then they have tech director friends that they're going to then tell. And so we get a lot of referrals from church tech directors that tell their buddies, like, oh, dude, like, why do you have all this gear sitting here? Why haven't you called church gear? Like, it's yeah. the easiest thing in the world. Um, so we constantly remind ourselves it is such a relational thing with the church. And if we're treating the church as well and taking care of them, they're just going to keep coming back because it's such a great solution for them. Yeah. What, um, I'd, I'd love to hear maybe some encouragement or some guidance. It seems like you were okay with the tension of being a worship leader and then paying the bills. And I'm sure that probably resonates with a lot of people who are working at a church and trying to figure out how to like pay the bills. Like, but what, what kind of encouragement do you have for that young person that's trying to figure it all out? They want to serve, but not making enough money. <laughs> yeah. I would my first advice would be kind of don't be above anything but also be open to a whole lot of stuff. So there especially in Nashville, people think like, "Oh, I can move to Nashville and I can be a session musician and I can make <laughs> a lot of money." I'm like, mm, "Not really, cuz all those session musicians moved to Nashville and they were like dishwashers right. or uh, servers in a or baristas or whatever." But some of the smartest guys I know that do some of those things also do a whole lot of other stuff. They'll teach guitar lessons. They'll write charts. They will, you know, make Ableton arrangements. Um, you know, you guys just met Chris, our shipping lead, and he does arranging and he does tracks and he does guest saxophone playing and touring and session work. Um, but he also works for us full time. So it's very much like have that entrepreneurial mindset of how can I pay the bills like with lots of different things and you still get to do music and slowly but surely like work towards that more ideal role. Yeah. Are you still like leading worship? No. So when um, when the Trevecca thing kind of fizzled out, it was like God had just sort of moved me on. He said that time in your life is done and you're just 
your desires are now going to change. And it was so weird because I never thought the desire to lead worship, the desire for music and songwriting and artistry would escape me, but it was just sort of gone. Hmm. And now it's really fun for me to get to serve worship and tech people at churches. Yeah. That's a neat, um, neat how the Lord like knits that together. And also probably terrifying for some of the worship leaders listening. Like, yeah, what do you what do you mean the calling just <laughs> like it's just gonna fall away at some point? <laughs> I remember having conversations with my wife and we're I was talking about a friend of mine who said um, he said something along the lines of if this next next record doesn't do something big, like I'm done. Yeah. And I said to my wife, like, I'm never gonna be done. Like, why would I be done? I'll just keep making more records, I'll keep writing more songs, I'll keep leading worship. And it was really freeing when it's like the desire, like the itch was scratched for me. It's like, oh, that yeah. season of my life felt complete. It felt like I had done what I had set out to do, and now just like my desire shifted. I'm like, oh, okay, right. what's next? And you're still serving the church. It's yeah. really cool. Yeah, and yeah. I get to sit next to my wife in church now. Hey, so that's, that's, that's an important thing. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's fine. That's often lost. Mm. I've got like a similar, I've been teaching at the Belonging Co. for a year now, and I'm still kind of waiting for that moment where it's like, I missed the worship leadership, and I just I haven't felt it yet. So I guess I resonate with that for sure. My phone's going off in my pocket. Do you ever, <laughs> do you ever like, you're in in worship, you're sitting there, but then you're like, oh, look at that projector. You're like, <laughs> like, like, is are you like, you know, like squirrel? <laughs> I'm just laughing because that's a hundred percent true. Oh yeah, <laughs> I I was always you know the musician, the artist, so I would show up to church, and the hardest thing for me was to not critique the performance mm -hmm. and the transitions. It's like if they failed, if the band failed on a transition, I was like, oh, come on, guys. Like, you got to get that pad on the Nord going between songs or whatever. But now it's, yes, it's exactly that. Like looking up like, oh, they've they've got a Nexo rig hanging up there. And I wonder what they're running in front of house. And like those thoughts never occurred to me before. <laughs> What's yeah. your home church right now? Uh, church of the City is where? Franklin? Or yep, Franklin. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah. been there a couple times. And uh, shockingly, they, I don't think they need me to lead worship there. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got a little bit of talent there. It's, it's kind of like Ryan at the Belonging Co. Sure, yeah. They don't need many of us. <laughs> I know. Yeah. They've got so many people trying to find opportunity for even the students to get up there. It's just, yeah, it's just a wealth of musicians. How long have you been at Church of the City? We um, moved over there about eight months ago. Okay. Um, so we were at uh, Fellowship Bible in Brentwood for nine years and absolutely loved it. Um, it was just our kids were going into the youth group, and we live in, down in Franklin, but Fellowship is up in Brentwood. So we all, my wife and I always said, like, one good reason for us to change churches would be if our kids are not connected and we need to go somewhere for them to get connected. My parents did that for me, so uh, we did that for them, and it's like God, I really feel like God has blessed that for us, and it's mm. just been a great uh, transition to Church of the City. Mm. Have you been to the um, the Spring Hill campus? Uh, we have actually shot video for Church Gear, did like a little commercial, and we used Church of the City Spring Hill as our yeah. location, um, but I've never been to a Sunday service there. Okay. Yeah, it's like right down the street from me. I've yeah. been to the Franklin service, but I've mm -hmm. never been to the Spring Hill one. We, uh, one of our recent hires, he moved here from Liberty University. He was one of their tech leads there, and he um, 
moved here two months ago in the middle of summer, and he just put a thing up on Facebook like, hey, any other like former Liberty, Liberty friends want to come help me move? And uh, the tech director from Church of the City, Spring Hill, just showed up. Hmm. And we're like, what? what are you doing here? He's like, oh, I saw like you guys needed help on Facebook. And so I came to help. We're like, wow. dude, it's like the coolest guy we've ever met. Wow. What, um, we, we did lunch a couple weeks ago and we were talking about the difficulty of churches to actually hire like tech people, mm-hmm. um, largely for salaries. What's your take interacting with all of these tech places? It seems like churches, especially since COVID, everybody's turned into just like not only audio, but just full on video studio. Yeah. What's your take on the industry of doing production at the church? I mean, COVID was a perfect storm, so to speak, in that everything shut down for a moment, and a lot of church techs started to think, and and like touring guys, like touring guys were really shut down for a while. Right. So a lot of them just left and are real estate agents now or sell insurance or just like normal jobs. And a lot of them were also serving in a church. And so I think just the tech industry, the production industry lost a lot of their people in that moment. Yeah. But at the same time, churches had to pivot. And so all of a sudden there are less techs and now churches need them more and need them to do more things. So churches unknowingly like burnt out their people during COVID and like church tech, church production teams were just decimated. We've been to so many churches where we'll ask them like, what's your team like? How, you know, what's the makeup? And they said, well, there's three of us. There used to be nine of us pre-COVID, but now there's three. Mm. And we also have to do more because we have online campus and streaming now and all these high level video expectations. Um, so it's, it's been a rough transition and then definitely pay scale has not caught up. Right. So, I mean, churches need to recognize like if we want a high level of production, we're going to have to hire great people and pay them well to actually keep them around because it's a big job. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Say I'm going to ask you questions based on I'm a church that has, say, 200 members, Mm -hmm. small church. Um, You give like first recommendation that comes to your head. Like speakers, what would you recommend? Uh, your two hundred people, like maybe just a, you know, a, a small array, like two speakers per side, like. Uh, and I am speaking out of turn because I'm not one of our techs. Like I'm, I'm a former worship guy, so I'm just, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm saying things, and probably our techs here at Church Gear would be right. like, no, 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 <laughs> stop! Like you're t- giving them wrong information, but. I give the disclaimer that if you want good information, reach out to sales <laughs> at churchgear.com. But uh, yeah, a couple speakers per side and probably a couple small subs. And it really depends on like, what are they doing? Are they organ and choir? Or they have a modern worship band. Like, yeah. If they got a band, you, you want some subs on each side. And you don't need a ton for 200 people, but... What board would you recommend? I mean, everybody just sort of says like, start with an X32 yeah. uh, or an M32. That's that's great. It's very user-friendly. If you want to you know, step up to something just a little bit better, like an Allen & Heath SQ series, like those are a nice upgrade, and they aren't crazy expensive. Uh, of course, everything is weighed against can you get it right now with supply chains. Yeah. yeah. Okay, say that church like didn't have any live streaming, and mm-hmm. then you know COVID hits, and they want, obviously, everybody's trying to get into live streaming. Sure. Like, what, what would you recommend just to get into it? 
again, my video guy will probably cringe, but uh, I would assume like Black Magic is a great first step. And we have tons of great used Black Magic stuff. Like a lot of churches, when they made that switch during COVID, went Black Magic. It was affordable, it did everything they needed. And now they're upgrading to whatever the next thing is. They're going, you know, high level, 4K, whatever it is. And so we have a lot of awesome black magic stuff that was used for like a year and a half yeah. just because churches were making this transition. So I think just a few simple things is a great starting point. Couple cameras, nothing crazy. What kind of cameras would you? Tell them to go towards <laughs> the video cameras. <laughs> <laughs> I, w I mean, what are we uh, filming with? A Sony? <laughs> yeah. I recognize Sony. We get Sony cameras through. Yeah, Sony cameras. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I, it's it's funny. The last, just COVID, just like pushed every church into. Uh oh. Amber. <laughs> the storm warning? Yeah. Is that your wife looking for you, Ryan? No. I think it was my video tech breaking in and being yeah. like, stop <laughs> saying names. Right. <laughs> Did it. That'll be great. I just feel like like COVID just just forced like every church and at mm -hmm. least in America to just like either decide whether they're gonna move into the digital realm yeah. or not, you know. Yeah. Um I know we were talking with uh somebody in uh high up in the assembly of, of God, um, like church planting network. I think it's called the Church Multiplication Network. And he was saying that all of their church plants are like in person and online. They just they don't launch anything that's not also online. Yeah. yeah. Did you see like this big shift during COVID of like what people were looking for? Uh not really because we launched like I launched the website in March of twenty twenty. Oh, okay. So Church Gear really started with COVID. <laughs> Got so it. So we were learning at the same time. Or I was, because it was really just me for a few months, like trying to figure out, like, whoa, everything's changing with this church, with these churches, and so, what's what's going to happen? Do you feel like that timing was like perfect timing, or or it was like, man, what did I? Why did I start this now? It was strangely great timing. So there was a you know a quick moment where church decks didn't have much to do, and I'm talking like three weeks. <laughs> so they're thinking like, oh yeah, I can go through the you know go through the closets and make a list of all this gear that we've got sitting around. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, we've, we've got to like retool. We've got a live stream. And so mm. what's available that we can afford? And so if, if I had any video gear at the time, it was like, it was gone. Yeah. And then the supply chain issues happened. So all of a sudden churches couldn't buy new gear and all everything we have is in stock. Yeah. You know, everything is 100% unique item, so it's here in the warehouse if we have it available. And that helped us as well. So it was kind of like God's perfect moment of yeah. of launching this thing. Wow. That's that's weird <laughs> that some some people, you know, were like <clears throat> shut down, but other people, it was like that was their moment yeah. like to really, you know, move forward. Wow. Thinking about COVID, like really, I know. Like, I'm just like, trying to think. It like, gets you kind of like, we're all know, where do we? Goosebumps, like, <laughs> it's a, it was an interesting. Uh, time. Obviously, we all have masks on right now, right? Because exactly. that's the safe thing to do. I mean, uh, SM7B is pretty much a mask. <laughs> that's <laughs> <a> true. Big... <laughs> did you? I mean, I guess the thought I had too, like, did you have the inventory to match, or did it get overwhelming right out the gate? Like everybody just wanted video stuff, and 
you happen to just be able to have a lot of it or yeah it would kind of come in waves like there was video stuff and then um you know a few months later like when churches and i know for some churches in california they're thinking a few months later no (laughs) but when churches started to open back up um and there was this kind of like downtime where there were no services in and so if churches had the budget and they were working on a project they were like oh well let's let's do this project while we're not actually disturbing Sunday services. And so they would start to do, you know, larger system upgrades at that time. They would do their audio systems or they would, you know, replace their cameras. Um, So then we'd start to see, um, you know, usually they'd be working with an integrator and they'd be doing just large system installs. And so we'd get a lot of that gear um, as it's coming out, but they would still, you know, even some of our integrator partners will call us up and say, Hey, we can't get this sure wireless unit for, 18 months do you guys have one can you keep an eye out and so we'd help source some of those things that they just couldn't get new Mm. you good huh what go ahead no you go ahead no good (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna go more towards the pastoral if you got more gear stuff i'll save it no good okay um to to go back into the like the pay like so a lot of a lot of churches are having a hard time getting someone on staff mm-hmm. there's a lot of people we know that are listening to this that are struggling to convince their pastor you know and a lot of times they're asking for like a 50 percent raise which would be you know comparable um what, what advice do you have i guess for the the tech first and then maybe what would you tell the, the pastor yeah uh there's <laughs> definitely hard conversations that need to have uh need to happen and yeah. there's education that needs to happen so Pastors need to realize that any of their production people, especially with because the production world lost so many people, any of those people can go out on the road and make a hundred grand. Like it's just not hard at all. So if you want to keep your people, then you've got to give them something comparable. We all know that like touring is hard work and it's hard on a family. So, you know, it's, it's great to find a place to call home in a church and but also be able to provide for a family uh but we see so many churches like mega churches five thousand plus and their production director like their lead guy is 24 years old yeah because that's all they're paying yeah and then in three years he gets offered something at another company a manufacturer an integrator and he's thinking like oh you guys don't have Christmas and Easter services <laughs> that I want to like kill right. myself during and you pay better. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do that. So what value is it to keep people? I mean, mm. as a business owner, I quickly realized there is such value in finding great people and then just reducing turnover as much as possible. So yeah. tell a pastor, like if you want to pay a, a 24 year old, you know, 42 grand a year to be your church's production director, that's fine. Like, that is an option. But if you want them to stick around and learn and grow and make your production great for a long time, where you're not laying awake at night wondering, like, is Sunday service going to actually come together? Then, you know, you got to start looking at comparable salaries and thinking, like, mm. this is this is different than it was five years ago, and the salary should reflect that. Yeah. Is there a humble way for a tech to try to convince their pastor <laughs> to give them that much of a raise? Uh, I mean, they could certainly go with other offers and say, yeah. hey, I just, you know, very respectfully, like, I know this is a church and this is a ministry, but I also 
I work really hard and I'm a skilled laborer. I am good at what I do. I have these other options that are in this price range. Can we talk about getting closer to that? Like I'd yeah, love sure. to stay here, but I also just need to provide for my family. Yeah. I'm getting so many like I interesting know. interruptions. Amber alerts, <laughs> I know. alarms. Like, it's, like it's like the world burning down around right? us, but we're, we're on a <laughs> we're podcast. Just like, oh, don't interrupt. Like. <laughs> find out when we come out the door. Earth's last podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I saw, I think it was Lee Fields that had made a post about kind of what you're talking about where where people are leaving churches to go on tour. Mm -hmm. And he was kind of saying, before you think about the tour life, like he he wrote like 10 reasons to not leave your church. Did you see that? Uh, I've seen several posts from him, like similar, but I don't think I saw that one yeah. specifically. I think it was him. I'm pretty sure it was him. But I've yeah. seen that that conversation so many times post COVID. Like in, uh, are you familiar with the like? I think it's Church Text and the the Facebook. You know the really big Facebook group. Yeah, Church, like Church Sound and Media Text. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. one. Like I see that conversation all the yeah. time, and I feel bad because like you know, like you were just talking about. Like production guys getting forty two thousand, and I know there's plenty of guys out there making eighteen thousand and mm-hmm. just having a another job, and you know, like it's it's crazy, and I, I feel so bad for them that they have to, they're forced to make a decision to leave their home church, you know, to go do something else. Yeah, um, I'm sure there's some young techs out there being like, somebody's making forty two thousand. I, I can yeah. think right off the top of my head, like sure. five people I know yeah. that were thinking right. that. When you said that, I yeah. was thinking for them, like, yeah, well, because there's a cycle, like you said, the twenty four year old, but there's also a cycle of churches using the nineteen year old, mm-hmm. one new one every year, and then that right. one moves on, and <clears throat> you catch another one, part time in quotations for those that aren't watching, but part time, and it's not really part time. <laughs> it's everything they got for, you know, not much. Yeah, I see a lot of churches, smaller churches. Um, I've seen it firsthand where they're they're really just sucking every last ounce out of people, and you know, it's kind of like, well, you've grown up here, so you know, do your share. And it's like, hey, this isn't exactly being a greeter, you know, mm-hmm. like you're doing a lot of work, you know, being at funerals and weddings and all of the the other things that happen during a week, you know. Yes, <clears throat> some of these techs are working 80, 90 hours a week, right? And they're getting paid for forty-hour work weeks, yeah. And it's like it's just not sustainable. People are going to burn out. Um, it's it's great to, you know, we all know the stories of churches that just use their people and just wring them out dry, and they they just burn out in nine months. But then there are other churches like we um, we went to North Point recently. And got a tour of their production set up. And it was awesome to hear their production department talk about how wonderful the pastoral leadership is in just encouraging family work balance and taking care of them and making sure they're not used and abused. And they've been there like, I think the three guys we were talking to, they were there like 18 years, 15 years, and 14 years. Mm -hmm. So such longevity and like there's so much value and purpose in that for for those guys to get to serve the church that long. Yeah, especially like a single church, like it makes such a difference for the culture. Um, especially if your production guy's new every year, then that can be wild <laughs> for even just the way the room sounds. Anyway, yeah. Apparently it's tornado sirens are going off. Is that what it is? Yeah. 
Was that what the alert was? Are we recording in a tornado? Oh, apparently. Oh, yeah. We're in a tornado warning right now. Okay. That's the big one. Well. Fascinating. It's been an honor serving with you, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're all going to fit under this table. <laughs> well, this is my table, so yeah, I'm right. going first. You're Rose. We're <laughs> Jack. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, I guess I can cut it at some point here. If that thing's obnoxious, I'll cut it before that goes wild. Pretty exciting. I it know. is. I yeah. thought it was an ambulance, but then it kept going. Imagine <laughs> how many views we would get if the like the the, la- the whole ceiling just like the last flew church collective right. yeah. podcast. That'd be yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey. as long as we all live to tell about right. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. I am happy to say that that tornado warning, we are all okay. We made it. Super fun living in Tennessee. Love it. So make sure to check out the next episode of the Church Collective podcast and connect with us everywhere on social media. Send us a DM. We would love to chat.